Action! Welcome to Torn Stubs, with me, your host, photographer, Robert Gershenson, and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We're continuing our look into non-superhero comic book movies as we move on to 300, directed by Zack Snyder. Prepared the... for glory! <laughs> He's not... Oh, I was going to say he is Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> the year is 480 BC and Sparta is under threat from the advancing Persian forces. Leonidas leads 300 Spartan men to the hot gates, a funneled route to Sparta in a suicide mission to protect the country they so dearly love. Had you seen this before? Mm, yeah, when it first came out a long time ago. I saw it when it came out at the same cinema that I would later see Suspiria at mm. in Berlin. And I remember I've never seen, I'd never seen the beginning. Of 300? Of 300. Because my boyfriend at the time, on the way to the cinema, saw that people were doing personality tests or, or diadetic mm. tests. And he wanted to do one. So we had to kill time doing a bloody test. It was like a... The, um, the Myers-Briggs test? No, the Scientology thing. Oh. Yeah. Eh? But no one really knew who, what Scientology was at the time. Oh my God. It was just this recruited. Guy. Well, so because of that, I missed the, the, the opening of the bloody film. But it didn't matter because I bought the comic weekly when it came out in 1998. Ah, so you knew what happened. I, I, well, I knew the story already. Yeah. yeah. Um, comic is phenomenal. Comic is one of Frank Miller's best things. And in fact, because it was open season on Frank Miller... Because of the runaway success of Sin City, mm. suddenly all his other books got optioned. And this is the one that was sort of first out the starting gate. Mm. The comic is very simple, very economical in its storytelling with amazing colours. So the book is written and drawn by Frank Miller with colours by his then wife, Lynn Varney. Mm. And the colours are extraordinary. Didn't she write it as well? No, no, she just, she just did the colours. Oh, okay. But the, the colours are, are are phenomenal. And the whole thing, it's a series of double spreads. Mm. So when the comic was republished as a graphic novel, it was in a longer widescreen format oh, book as opposed to the regular. So it looks like a square book when you look at it on the outside, but when you open it, it turns into a kind of a widescreen. It's a normal comic shape. Right. These are the individual issues. Mm. But then each double spread mm. would then be reproduced as one page in the graphic novel oh. right huh. so it lends itself to being shot as a film because it's already in the widescreen yeah. format yeah i think it's actually Zack snyder's best film i think the biggest compliment i can pay to the film is that i feel like i've read the comic book because l watching the film it's just got such indelible memorable gorgeous imagery to it so, you know it's just stuff like a, a gajillion arrows blocking out the sun. Yeah. And even like the moment where Leonidas stands up with all the arrows embedded in his shield, there's a hilarious moment where Michael Fassbender is kind of to the left of the frame, looking over his shoulder at the young guy, <laughs> kind of braced as if he was like seductively <laughs> calling over his shoulder. That looks like a comic panel. Like every single shot in the film looks like a, com a comic panel. I don't know. Is all of it, 
exactly the same as the comic? I don't know. Yes. It is. Yes. It, it's completely completely lifted from, yeah. from the comic. Snyder <clears throat> is, has, has basically shot for shot remade the comic. And even on set, they had photocopied panels mm. from the comic. He, he even said, it was a fun process for me to have a frame as a goal. Mm. And the fact that this is, his, this is Snyder's best film, it has depth. It has heart. It has passion. There's a consistency in tone, which is something that yeah. is lacking from, you know, everything that he did that, that came later. It's consistent in tone, pace, style. It doesn't feel baggy. Yeah. It feels very uh, economical. It feels very like there's no fat on that body. Mm-hmm. There's no fat <laughs> on the film. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of the credit goes to Frank Miller and obviously Lynn Varney. Yeah. Because Frank has basically directed this film in comic form before the film was even a film. Yeah. But credit where's credit's due, the comic is just a series of static panels. Mm. What Zack Snyder's done is breathe life into the in-between. He's connected those panels and given it a a vibe, given it a rhythm, given Mm. it a filmic soul. Yeah, I think that it would be very easy to underestimate how difficult that actually is mm. because, you know, you it, you could look at um, storyboards as well and look how different the storyboard looks to how the film actually uh-huh. looks when it's finished. You know, you could, it's the same kind of, it's the same rule as give two directors a script and watch how different the films are when they're made. Exactly. Um, so actually it's probably more difficult to create a film that rep- that looks exactly the same as a beloved comic mm. than we actually imagine. So yes, amazing job. It looks fantastic, mm. but it, you're right. It also does have that emotional punch to it that things like, say, Sin City don't. It's like a, such a different beast. Yes, the, the emotional punches are actually enhancements by Zack Snyder. Oh, really? So for instance, the... The character of the captain's son. Yeah, who is that? Because he was hot. He was hot. My as God. But that character was introduced and killed in the same panel in the comic. Ah. We don't have the build up of the relationship between the father and the son yeah. that we do in the film. We don't have that in the comic. Ah. So little things like that have been created for the film. And I think yeah. Zack Snyder deserves recognition and praise for that. I have a theory about Zack Snyder. I Mm. think he's a brilliant adapter of other people's work. His best films are the Dawn of the Dead remake, which I think is actually far superior to the boring original. It's better than it has any right to be, that film. 300, this one. And Watchmen. Even with its flaws, Watchmen is still a brilliant, brilliant piece of superhero filmmaking. Mm. It's just unfortunate that it's obviously not as good as the book. But mm. you're always going to get that when you've got a 12-issue book and a two-and-a-half-hour film. Yeah. But it's still a brilliant adaptation. Mm. That's Zack Snyder's skill. When he comes to make things either original or semi-original, mm. so things like uh, Sucker Punch and that thing with the owls. Oh, yeah. Um, or semi-original like the Superman film or yeah. the Batman film or the Justice League film where he's making an original story based on an existing character. That's where he falls flat. Mm. He doesn't seem to know who he is or what the tone or what the story is. He's so much more comfortable with, ah, so that's what the comic looks like. I know how to get it from A to screen. 
Yeah, but I was yeah, that's true. Because Watchmen I thought was actually great as well. Mm. Um but I do wonder if DC slightly stitched him up because they didn't hire Zack Snyder to make a Zack Snyder film. They hired Zack Snyder to make a Chris Nolan film because they decided off the back of the success of Christopher Nolan's Batman films that all their DC films should have that same atmosphere, that kind of heavy doom-laden atmosphere. So when they when Zack Snyder made Man of Steel, he wasn't making Superman. He was making like a Batman version of Superman. Um so I would be interested to see what he actually ends up doing after D, like post DC. Because I want to know who he is. Yeah, I know. We've had a similar discussion on this podcast in the Mission Impossible episode. I mm. want to know who JJ is away from adapting other people's IP, let's say, other people's work or continuing work that other people have done. I want to know who Zack Snyder is. Because if Sucker Punch is, that, <laughs> if that's Zack Snyder then he's going to have a problem in this post-Me Too world. Yeah. But if he comes and does something completely left field, if he does something non-CGI, something Mm. quite dramatic, something very small, a $10 million picture set all on one farm or whatever, Mm. it'd be really interesting to see who he is. I think that it's a case of him finding the right scripts. So we know who Steven Spielberg is because... The scripts that he chose to make were all were all films that were kind of about, you know, it's the cliche now, but absent father figures uh-huh. and, you know, family dynamics within a perilous situation. But so, they were all reasonably original ideas. Yeah, but I he's mean, not really adapted a great deal of work. Mm, maybe a third of his work is is adapted from maybe pushing to a half. But mm. there's. You know, E.T. is completely original. Close Encounters of the Third Kind is original. Mm-hmm. Written, you know, they're written by Spielberg. What has Zack Snyder made? They weren't written by him. He wrote E.T., didn't he? No. He wrote, he wrote, third, he wrote third Kind. Did he? I'm pretty sure Spielberg hasn't written anything that he's, he's done. Oh, he didn't write E.T., but he did write Close Encounters. But he he doesn't. That's that's like an exception to the rule. Like generally, Spielberg doesn't write. I just don't think I don't see such a huge difference between taking a script written by somebody else and turning it into a film, and taking a graphic novel written by somebody else and turning it into a film. I don't see a huge I difference. I there. do because with a script, it's just words on a, on a, on a page. Mm. With a graphic novel, it's already been directed. Yeah. The visuals, but the, the graph the graphic novel version has been directed. So. But the visuals are there. Yeah. You know, this this 300 looks exactly like the comic. Mm. Even down to Lynn Varney was hired to colour the film. <laughs> she coloured the backgrounds in the film. Right. So the ties are completely there. He's gone yeah. down the Robert Rodriguez route yeah. of recreating the comic. It's not an adaptation. It's a transfer. Yeah. And I actually think it's a little bit more successful than Sin City, even though I love Sin City. Uh-huh. I think it's way more successful. And you love Sin City, City as well, don't you? Fucking awful film. <laughs> um, I, I was surprised. I mean, I just, I love the, I love the dichotomy of having a really uh, masculine kind of dirty, stabby, bloody, gory film that appeals purely, surely to gay men. It's just, it's just full of hot traditionally hot men being hot you know yeah like i just love that it's like although how i Ma- only fancy one of them it's like how mad max fury road kind of snuck feminism into a male action film this yeah. kind of this sneaks 
really fit men into <laughs> a traditional kind of action film. Do you need a moment? <laughs> You're salivating. Um, I'm not salivating. <laughs> I'm weeping, Rob. I'm weeping with joy. How reliable is the narrator? Mm. It took me so long to figure out who the goddamn narrator actually was. But it's the guy from the end, isn't it, who gives her the gives her the bit of thing that he gives her. Gives her the necklace. Yeah. Yeah, it's his like second His or third version. command yeah i mean that's the fun part of it is that it it's almost like a fever dream a soldier's fever dream where yeah we, i don't i don't for a second um doubt that he's been through some serious shit but i do slightly suspect that there weren't enormous rhino enormous no, he's, elephants he's, and, he's a gifted storyteller so yeah he is building up this legend it's of the myth. 300 spartans right right it's like the myth of the of the spartans yeah, yeah. to in, to inspire the next generation right because yeah. at the end of the film there's fucking loads of them yeah, and he's, yeah he's talking like he's giving them a pep talk by facing away from them <laughs> surely conservatively 10 people around him could be like oh yeah i get that but at the back they're like what is going on what's, hap- why is, what's the hold up why what a fight shouting? are we are we going now? Have I got time for a wee? Have I? Have I? Does, does my bum look big in this cave? <laughs> yeah. I love the um, I love the way they start out kind of immaculate, beautiful specimens, like almost like Adonis-like figures. Yes. And as the film goes on, they get beaten and bruised and they're getting their wounds cauterized and they're grubby as fuck. And it, it kind of, you really see the war written on their bodies, and then I love the the that that really really clever, interesting idea of the deformed Spartan. Yes, who desperately he has the heart of a hero. He desperately wants to be a hero, but he doesn't look like them. Well, that ties into the male gaze. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I love that that scene where he first meets Leonidas is such a clever scene because you you find yourself warming to Leonidas because he speaks to this def- this like horrifically deformed man as another man. He speaks to him with like... With such a, respect. With respect and uh, reverence. And like he almost treats him slightly like a child. Mm. Um, but the fact is that he's not fit for Leonidas's version of an army. And so that's why he gets cast out. And that's that scene is sort of so tragic because it's so hopeful and yet then suddenly so hopeless is leonidas rightfully not allowing him the the mutant to join the ranks um from you can from what leonidas knows his battle strategy is all about the shields and we see that that is a successful strategy protecting from neck to thigh yeah so if there's one weak link in that chain Mm. it's not going to work as an army so you kind of feel like, yes, he's done the right thing. That guy isn't actually fit for this specific army. Uh-huh. Um, there's no doubting his his, you know, his dedication, his his heart, his you know, drive to fight and stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, for this, for for Leonidas's purpose, no, he's not right. Is the treatment of the female form and the male form on equal footing here. I had to fast forward the sex scene because I was watching it on the train. <laughs> um, <laughs> but do you see like, do you see Gerard Butler's butt and all that stuff? 
I can't remember. Because you, you get a, you art. get a shot of him fully naked from the back, but it's very shadowy. And... Oh yeah, you see his bum at one point. Yeah, yes. I think that actually it's pretty even. You yeah, actually see I more. Of, so you see more of the men than you see of Lena Headey. Yes, I um, think so too. And the Oracle. Oh yeah, the Oracle as well. Yeah, that was slightly like oh they're over over egging this pudding. Um, but <laughs> is that what you call her? Yeah, but yeah, watching. 300 and Sin City back to back it was such a stark difference between the way they portrayed the women mm. you know at the end of 300 Lena Headey's character the queen she actually kills the the traitor who tries to stitch her up she doesn't wait for a, a man to come flying in and save her Dominic she, West Dominic West who looks like a horrible greasy rat from the start of the film yeah um, perfect casting um, <laughs> but she you know he tries to to dishonor her in front of the court. Yes. And she immediately is like, who the fuck are you? And just kills him. Yeah. Which is like, fuck, yes, that's what it is and to have scene, a, female, a female in a comic book film, you know? That scene, that narrative thread mm. is an addition to the film. It's not in the book. No way. Not in the book. I mean, I, I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not because actually I didn't really need her scenes. I felt like there were they did feel like they were in a different film yeah. to the rest of the action. Well, the action's over she, there. Yeah, the action's over there by the hot gate. This yeah. is just tying what they're doing back to this and giving it some, some grounding, yeah. which, by contrast, makes the fantastical things that are happening over there by the hot gate mm. even more fantastical. Yeah. Like the big elephants, the Xerxes with his fucking piercings she's a pierce queen isn't she <laughs> she loves a bit of jewelry do you know who that, that actor's the actor from love actually the really beautiful mediterranean i have not love seen actually. love actually uh, maybe i've seen it in parts or maybe i've seen it once through yeah um is it liam neeson <laughs> no <laughs> i've forgotten the actor's name martin mccutcheon yeah do you think that xerxes is an effective baddie in the film uh, effective as in oh no <laughs> affected um, he, is, is he a memorable villain yeah I would say he is he's mm. he's so he's complete I mean you make a judgement before when you see him you make a judgement because he's in complete splendour he's like RuPaul yeah and, when, and he stands up and you expect him to go what you doing? 300. I've got 3,000. <laughs> 300. That's just a snack for me. <laughs> but he's actually, you fucking cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Kneel before me. That's all I ask. And he's like twice their size. Yeah, he is. He's a big, she's a big lass. She's, she's a big girl. She's a big girl. I mean, is that troubling? The fact that he's clearly meant to be a little bit camp and a bit mm. of fay and he sort of comes up behind Leonardo and puts hands mm. on the shoulder and a little bit of a massage is that troubling is that where the male gaze kind of trips or the the, the straight um mm. the straight perspective trips this film up i actually think it he is perfect um I didn't really realise why until just now, but it, because of that, because it is such a homoerotic film, mm. he is almost like the pinnacle of homoeroticism. Like he is this 
completely non-cis, non-white, we assume, non-hetero, you know, you don't really know what he is. He yeah. re- and it's almost... It's very ambiguous. And like the, the actual, like thematically, the film almost seems to suggest that these, the Spartans, this clearly, this is my reading, but you could read it that the Spartans are kind of trying to slay the homoerotic, the, the homoerotic text that has been written on their bodies. You know, they look so traditionally kind of sexy for men you know like chippendale chippendales in capes (laughs) and so of course the person they have to conquer is this fucking god but this like genderless fluid very feminine bejeweled god so of course that's who they're fighting that's a really interesting point but i mean it goes even further because i pick up very gay vibes between michael fassbender's character and the captain's son the fit young one yeah yeah yeah, massively. Like he's like, not now. I'm I'm busy. At one point, doesn't he? When he's for their fighting, it, it reminds me of the scene that was cut from Spartacus, but later put back in, uh-huh. where um, Antionis is washing Crassius, mm. and he Crassius gets a, gets a boner. Well, Crassius is the older character played by Laurence Olivier, and the younger one is Tony Curtis in yeah. a in a younger role. Yeah, and. Crassius is saying like along the lines of I like both seashells and <laughs> lobster. <laughs> Do you know what I mean along those lines? Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. it is it is basically along those lines. And it was it's widely known that in those days men who yeah. were married would take a younger lover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that called? Like a her a something relationship? A, a hermetic? dream relationship yeah the perfect like the, the relationship. perfect relationship <laughs> go for a bath have a shag yeah well the roman baths you know you yeah. go to bath where the roman baths are yeah and now it's a tourist place but my god if you run dna on the mm. wall there's a lot of dna on that wall <laughs> get a black light out yeah or a white um, light or yeah. any sort of colored light <laughs> i love xerxes <laughs> but if if we're going for sort of that that really sort of you know transgender kind of villain i always prefer ra in stargate i think that is one of the, my favorite if you watch stargate is really good fun and then it's got this amazing androgynous baddie played by jay davidson from the crying game ah. and he, he is such a she good, he slash she no slash she they is such a good villain do you feel like this film at times feels a bit like theater yeah definitely because it yeah, it's got those beautiful kind of living backdrops, but you know it was shot on a stage. But um, I, even so, I just think the way it's blocked, mm. you know, people go and hit their mark during conversations. And yes, it's all occurring against a CGI green screen coloured by Lynn Varney backdrop. But whilst, yes, I think it is a bit theatre, I think it's way more immersive, mm. the environment, than something like The Phantom Menace, which is so divided. It's so, there's the backdrop, here's mm-hmm. the actors. Mm-hmm. Here, it feels so much more involved, yeah. but it does feel very theatre because at times Zack Snyder keeps the camera static yeah. to respect the comic panel and then the action happens by the actors just moving mm. to preset marks within the frame. And also you can't tell where the back of the stage is. Yes. It seems to go on forever. There's so much detail. And I think the detail is what really 
ground this film because it could have become this sort of CGI folly. It could have been completely out of control. Uh-huh. But then there are there are such amazing, beautiful details, which I assume are from the comic, such as the the seagulls circling the dead Persian bodies, uh-huh. and they're kind of flocking around them just in the background. It's not even drawn attention to. You just notice the seagulls in the background, and you think, "Fuck, they're feeding on the bodies." Um, and this, the film is full of little bits of detail like that that are just so clever. The grubby, bleached, desaturated look mm. is. It's so perfect for what this story is, which is a grubby war film. Mm. A a futile grubby war film. Because we know immediately it's going to fail. The Oracle's already told us mm. that Sparta will fall. Yeah. But still he goes ahead and does it. Gerard Butler. Yeah. This is his best film. I've never seen it better than this. And before this, he wasn't really doing anything. Like he did the second Sound. Lara Croft film. And The Sound of Music. Not Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Slightly different. <laughs> um, Same shit, different theatre. In this, you can just feel, you can feel like, you can feel his hunger. You can just feel like he's desperate. Just, oh, just desperate to get a role like this where he can just fucking show what he can do. And he's phenomenal. He's so <laughs> strong, so yeah. strong and subtly vulnerable. Yes, he is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that's why the Lena Headey scenes work. Lena Headey. Lena Headey. Because it keeps reminding you of what he's fighting for. Yes. Um, and, it's... and the fact that he can't say, I love you, mm. because that is not the Spartan way. Yeah. It's not the Spartan way. There's that yeah. great quote. There's no room for softness, no space for weakness. Only the hard and strong may call themselves Spartans. Mm. That's from issue two. Uh, but it's also in the film. It's in the film as well, yeah. 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 And that, that just sums up the Spartans completely. Like when, when the captain goes mad and, and breaks rank and mm. is wild because his son's been killed, mm. that's all that guilt of not ever being able to say to his son that he loves him fired up right there. Complete regret and he's taking it out on the immortals. Mm. Um, I just love the fact that Jared Butler does the Scottish accent throughout the entire film. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't detract from it in any way. <laughs> well, he's, he's got that we same problem. Spartans! That, <laughs> he's got that same problem that Sean Connery has. Yeah. That regardless what accent he's trying to do, you just go, oh, right. oh it's just Scottish. Yeah, yeah, it's just like when he plays an Irishman in The Untouchables or uh-huh. a Spaniard in Highlander. <laughs> yeah. He's just... just Hello there! I've come to find the one. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> It's just Sean Connery. My name is Javier. (laughs) (laughs) That was 300, directed by Zack Snyder. Give us a clue as to next one, Joshua. Uh, Next one, we are going to have a sex bomb. Oh, yeah, we are. I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> you can catch that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and TuneIn Radio. And we're also on the Twitterverse. We are at Tob, at Tob Stubbs Pib. We're at Torn Stubbs Pod. Uh, what did you think of 300? Let us know. We're off to dine in hell. I love how he like opens his mouth like hell. <laughs> Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Sparta, cut!